The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Well, good morning, New Song Church, and happy Valentine's Day. I hope that you are safe and warm in the comfort of your own home. And I am excited to share the Word of God with you on this day about love. We're going to talk about the peace of God today. And so it's going to be so good. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Galatians chapter 5. We are in week 3 of our series, A Better Way, where we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit and looking at the nine specific characteristics that the fruit of the Spirit wants to position in you so you can carry and display this fruit in the world that we live in today. In week one, we talked about love. Last week, uh, Pastor Jackson did a fabulous job talking about joy. And today we're going to look at the third fruit listed in our main text, Galatians chapter 5, starting verse 22. Read this out loud with me. It says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Peace. Today we're going to look at the fruit of peace, and I'm calling this message, Peace is Tapping. Somebody say, Peace is Tapping. I promise you that's going to make a little bit more sense here in a little bit. Uh, Let's pray, and then let's dive into the Word. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for technology and our ability to be able to still come together and sit under the Word. And we know, Lord, that you're with us today, that you want to speak to us and lead us and guide us in all truth. And so we thank you for your Word. We pray that it would come alive, that you would show us your will for our life, and that you would give us a revelation of the peace that you want us to walk in and bring into the world around us. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit that the Spirit of God wants to source to you so you can display it and share it in the world that we live in today where, let's just be real, it's lacking. And I think we can all agree that we're living in a world right now where it seems like there is a deficiency when it comes to peace. You know, the the opposite of peace is anxiety. And anxiety is at an all-time high in the world that we live in today. In fact, I, I read this week a couple of stats. Let me read some of these to you. Barnes & Noble reported that anxiety-related book sales are up 25%. Uh, in 2019, uh, 8% of Americans reported symptoms of anxiety. This past year, that number rose to 36%. Last year, the greatest increase in prescription drug use was related to anti-anxiety medications. There there was a rise of, of 34% when it came to anti-anxiety medications. An estimated 75 to 90%, this is crazy, of all doctor visits are anxiety-related issues. And today in America, anxiety is the most common mental disorder in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults. Anxiety is at an all-time high. And the thing about Anxiety is it can hit you out of nowhere. Like you can be trucking along, doing really good, and then something can happen that can knock you for a loop. And it's interesting how this works because this last week, as I was starting to put together some thoughts related to this message on peace, uh, I had a very unsettling situation that arose in my life. On, on Monday last week, I was kind of preparing uh, my notes and starting to kind of look at this message on peace. And as I was packing up and getting ready to go home for the day, I got a call from Sarah, my wife, and she informed me that we just got a water bill 
and it was for $2,600 for the month of December. Now, normally our water bill is around 50 bucks a month, so, so we knew that, that something was up. And so I, I started driving home, and while I was driving home, Sarah did a little research, and she discovered that in the month of December, our water meter registered that we used 260,000 gallons of water. And in the month of January, she could already see that we had used over 300,000 <laughs> gallons of water. So this is a pretty hefty percentage increase for, from the normal like 20,000 to 30,000 gallons of water that our family of five uses. So knowing that one bill was already $2,600 meant that the next bill for January was, was coming that we, and it was going to be similar, probably over $3,000 for water, just for the water in our house. So obviously we got a leak somewhere, uh, but I couldn't find it. I, I walked all, all over our property um, from, our, from our meter to our house. We've got about three acres of, of land, and I, I couldn't find anywhere where this water was, which is nuts, 600,000 gallons of water, and I can't locate it. So um, I ended up calling up this, this leak specialist guy, and he came out, and he ran some tests, and he couldn't find where the leak was either, which again, almost 600,000 gallons of water. Like, where is this water? So, so he got done, and he informed me, that um, since he couldn't find it, what they were going to have to do is they were going to have to run this process where they would start at our meter and they would start working towards the house. Now, there's about 300 feet or so between our house and the meter, which is roughly the size of a football field. And what they were going to have to do is they would start at the meter and they would dig up about 50 yards or so, and then they would cap that off and they would pressure test that and, and then just keep doing that until they discovered kind of where the leak was. And this process uh, can, can take up to 16 hours to do, and it's $250 an hour just to locate the problem. So l let me just tell you, in this moment, I was not feeling very peaceful. There was some major anxiety that was hitting me as I started running the math in my head. Now, Sarah and I, you know, we have money and savings, um, but, but obviously I don't want to have to spend close to $10,000 just to fix a water issue, just to get my water back to normal. So I'm feeling a little anxious. I'm feeling a little bit out of control in this moment. It's kind of like the, the, the earth is, is crumbling underneath me. And that's what anxiety can do. You know, sometimes in life you can have these moments that'll hit you and it can cause you to feel like everything's falling apart, like the ground is, is slipping out from under, underneath you. Uh, when the Apostle Paul wrote about peace related to the armor of God in the book of Ephesians, he talked about how we need to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And what Paul did with the armor of God is he, he took the armor that the, the Roman soldiers wore. It was something that was very familiar to the people of the day, something that they saw on a regular basis. And he related those pieces of armor to the things we need to put on to defend ourselves against the attacks that come against us in this world. So he talked about these shoes. And the shoes that the Roman soldier wore, uh, they weren't like just, you know, sandals like what we might think. They were actually these shoes with spikes on them, kind of like cleats. 
And the point of these spikes was to help the Roman soldier have a stable foundation. In the middle of the battle, the purpose of those spikes was to give the soldier sure footing for the fight. With these spiked shoes on, the soldier could, could anchor his position so he wasn't slipping and sliding while he was trying to, to fight. When, when the Roman soldier was, was wearing these shoes, he would have sure footing so the enemy couldn't knock him down and remove him from his place of stability. Now, now here's the reality for me and you. In this world, Jesus told us, you will have trouble. You will have moments where life will hit you. And, and, and in these moments, you'll feel like sometimes you're slipping and sliding and you're, you're losing stability. But, but I want you to know, God wants you to have something to anchor your life on. And He wants you to anchor your life on His gospel good news of peace so you can have a, a firm, stable foundation that you can fight from and win from. God wants you to have this, this revelation of the gospel of peace, a revelation that is, that is sunk down deep in you, that's giving you a stationary position, a, a sure-footedness position, so that you can't be knocked down, you can't be knocked over, you can't be knocked out. And so Paul is talking about the armor of God, and he says that we've got to be prepared for the evil day. So, so listen, church, evil days will come. Trouble will come. And we, we've all experienced that. Maybe today uh, you're listening to this message and you're in the, in the middle of an evil day moment. Maybe some circumstances have knocked you down. Maybe, maybe there's people in your life and it feels like they've knocked you down. Maybe your finances have knocked you down. Maybe a job situation has knocked you down. Your circumstances have taken place in your life. And they've removed the sense of stability and sure-footedness that, that you once had. Well, if that's you today, I've got some good news for you. Here it is. Our God is the God of peace. Our God is the God of peace. In fact, the Bible, you see it over and over again. You see God referred to in Scripture as the God of peace. Romans 15.33 calls God the God of peace. Romans 16.20 calls God the God of peace. 2 Corinthians 13.11 calls God the God of peace. Philippians 4.9 calls God the God of peace. Hebrews 13.20 calls God the God of peace. Over and over again, we see this title associated with who God is. In fact, one of the names of God is Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. Our God is the God of peace. And I want you to know this morning, His peace supply is not in short supply. Like, like God's not having a down year when it's related to peace. The economy hasn't hit God too hard and caused there to be a peace shortage. God's not having to cut back during this season to make sure He's got enough to go around. And, and listen, God's not mad at us and holding back His peace from us to teach us a thing or two. No, no, no. Listen, church. Our God is the God of peace, and He wants to source the fruit of His peace in your life so you can carry it and display it. I love what it says in, in 2 Thessalonians 3.16. It says this, it says, Now may the Lord of peace, there it is again, the Lord of peace Himself give you peace. Does it say sometimes? No, it doesn't say sometimes. Does it say when the pandemic is over? No, it doesn't say that. It says at all times in every way. Our God is the God of peace. And He is looking for people He can source the fruit of peace to 
and through. So we're going to look at the fruit of peace today, and I've got three thoughts that will help you bear and share the fruit of peace. So here's my first point. If you're taking notes, jot this down. When it comes to peace, peace doesn't require perfection. Peace doesn't require perfection. The peace of God is not determined by everything being perfect around you. In fact, the biblical definition of peace is this. Peace is calm and tranquility of soul in the midst, notice that, in the midst of difficult circumstances. I read a story this week about a group of of painters who participated in an art contest to see who could create the best painting that captured the idea of what peace really is. So the day of the the contest came and and many of these different painters brought these these entries in beautiful paintings of, you know, sunsets and palm trees and lush green hills and these calm streams and still rivers and lakes. But there was one painting that stood out and and actually won the contest. And it was this painting painted by this guy named Jack. Now, as you look at it, you might notice that it doesn't look all that peaceful. I mean, there's a dark sky. There's kind of a raging storm happening. Lightning is flashing. There's these powerful waterfalls and, and, and these sharp rocks. And, and so you may look at this and wonder, like, how is this a picture of peace? Why in the world did this win? Well, if you look closer, in fact, we've zoomed in here for you, in the middle of this painting, you'll see this very small bird hidden in the cleft of the rock. So with all this chaos going on, we see this little bird in a position of peace, protected and secure. Now, this is a picture that describes what biblical peace can be. See, the peace that God sources is not determined by everything being perfect. Listen, peace is, is, is not when nothing's wrong, then I'm calm. Because when nothing's wrong, you should be calm. Like, if your circumstances are perfect, you should be at peace. But how many of you know it's rare that our circumstances are perfect? Like, it's very rare that we, we, we experience that. And, and so that's what's so great about biblical peace. God's peace doesn't require perfection. Biblical peace is a peace you can have even when things are falling apart. The peace of God is when there's thunder and there's lightning and the wind's blowing and circumstances are against you and nothing looks right. It's in the middle of that mess. The biblical peace comes along and allows you to rest safe and secure, knowing you're surrounded and protected by God. Biblical peace is when there's, there's tranquility on the inside, even when there's chaos happening on the outside. The Bible talks about this in Philippians 4, starting in verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord, say this with me, always, always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't have anxiety, but in everything. Look at this. By prayer and supplication. Supplication there means uh, that you make your requests of, of God for something. With thanksgiving, in other words, be thankful. Let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which here it is, surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God's peace can surpass your understanding. Here, here's what that means. It means you, you don't necessarily understand why you have peace, but you have peace. 
And, and that peace is, is in such a way that it's guarding your heart and your mind. That word guard in the Greek language means this. It means a military guard that protects, protects against an enemy invasion. So listen, when you, when you choose to do what this verse says and pray and worship God and thank God and make your requests to God in the middle of your problem, what you're doing is you're positioning God so that he can set a guard in place against any kind of attack and demonic spirits and anxiety and fear. And listen, the Bible's very clear. Fear is a spirit. There is a spirit of fear. And these demon spirits, what they want to do is they want to come against you to try to knock you down and knock you out. But when you choose to pray and worship and thank God and make requests of God in the middle of whatever it is that you're facing, even if it feels big, you know, you may have a big issue that you're dealing with. You may be facing a big illness. There may be a big family problem, a big financial problem. It may be bigger than you, but the good news is it's not bigger than your God. And when you decide to pray and worship and thank God, you're allowing your big God to go to work on that problem. And last week in my front yard, when that water line expert drove away, I, I was sitting there kind of not really sure what to do, but I just decided in that moment as I was feeling some anxiety, as I had a lot of questions, that I was going to lift my hands in my front yard and I was going to thank God and say, God, you're good. You've always been good. You've always been faithful to me. I know you have a plan. Your word says that I will not be forsaken. So I choose to take you at your word. I don't know how you're going to do this, but I know you will make a way where there seems to be no way. And so I ask you, Lord, show yourself faithful and give my family favor and grace and mercy in that situation. Listen, if you're dealing with worry and anxiety, write down some of the things that you're worrying about and then start praying over those things. You know, your worry list, really, it should be a prayer list. It should be your worship list. Write down what's, what's got you worried and then start another list. Here's your next list. Write down all the things God has has seen you through. And I'm telling you, as you start to do this, there's something that will take place in you. And it may not happen quickly. It may take a little while, but the peace of God will hit you. When I walked back into my house, I had peace. I had sure footing because my God is the God of peace. Did I have all the answers? No, not in the natural, but I had the answer because I had Jesus. And because I had Jesus, I had peace. The circumstance wasn't perfect yet, but I had God's peace. I had a peace that passes my understanding. The Bible tells us that, that the peace of God will guard your mind. It will guard your thoughts. And it will, what it will do is it will stop the enemy from introducing more new thoughts into your mind. It sets a guard. The peace of God wants to protect your mind and, and protect you in your emotions. But it's not automatic. It's something that we have to choose to take up. I love what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. It says this, it says, and let, and, and notice that, that we have to allow, we have to let this take place. It says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Now that, that, that word rule there is the Greek word uh, that actually means umpire. Now, and I want you to think about an umpire, like an umpire in a baseball game. What do they do? Well, really, what they do is they make calls based on the game. And they let you know what's, what's happening. An umpire, you know, they call the balls and the strikes and they say if someone's safe or someone's out. In other words, every time something happens, the umpire's telling you what's happening. That, that's what the peace of God can do in your life. You see, here's the thing. God, God sees the game better than you do. 
And he, he calls the game as he sees it. And what he wants to do is rule in your heart and direct you in what's really happening so you can make good decisions based on his perspective, not just yours. So peace doesn't require perfection. But, but listen, this is big. It does require faith-based movement on your part. And when you move in faith based on God and His Word, God can move in peace and set a guard in place that will protect you so you can experience a peace that's beyond your own understanding. Peace doesn't require perfection. Here's point number two. Peace follows a process. If you're taking notes, write that down. Peace follows a process. In order to walk in, in the fruit of peace of God and display that in your life, there's a process that you need to understand and you need to actively participate in. So, so here's how this process works. The process begin on the day that you made Jesus the Lord of your life. The day that you received salvation, the Bible says that you were born again and you're, you're saved and the spirit part of you is made alive in Christ Jesus. So now you have a born again spirit and it's in perfect alignment with God and his will and his word. Your spirit agrees perfectly with the word of God and it's in harmony with the leading of the Holy Spirit. But, but here's the thing. Uh, you're not just a spirit. The Bible tells us that you're actually a three-part being. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Okay, so, so stick with me here. Your spirit is perfect, and it's in harmony with God, but your soul and your body are not. Your soul, which is your, your mind, your will, and emotions, and your body have been influenced by the outside world. And because of that outside influence, sometimes you'll have some default settings in your soul and in your body that are out of alignment with God and His Word. Paul talks about this in, in Romans chapter 7. Look at this with me. Romans 7, verse 21. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, So I discover this principle. When I want to do what is good, evil is with me. For in my inner self, he's talking about his spirit here, I joyfully agree with God's law. So Paul is saying that his spirit loves the, the, the word of God and the will of God and agrees with it. But, but look at this. He says, But I see a different law in the parts of my body waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. Okay, so get this, church. The outside influence of the world has created some default settings in you that war against who God created you to be and what God created you to have, and part of that includes peace. So peace follows a process because everything that comes from God follows a process, and the process, check it out, here it is, it's an inside-out process. The process starts with salvation when your spirit inside of you is made new. And the next step in this process is your soul being renewed. The Bible calls this a working out your salvation. And notice it's a working out. It's not a working in, it's a working out. It's from the inside out. Philippians 2 says it like this, verse 12. It says, work out your own salvation. Now look at this, verse 13. For it is God who works in you, notice it's inside, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So we work out our salvation in partnership with God where we do our part in faith, faith-based movement, and God does his greater part in faithfulness. 
So it's an inside-out process. Your spirit agrees with the Word. So now you're working to get your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions to come into agreement with the Word. And, and as you renew your mind with God's Word, now your spirit and your mind are agreeing with God, and you will see that worked out in your body. So, so often what people want to do is they want to address the issues of life from the outside in. If I can just, you know, stop being angry and just stop being afraid, if I can just will this in my body, but when you, when you live that way, you're living backwards and you're, you're not getting to the root of, of the problem. The root of the problem is in here. It's in your mind. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says this. It says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Where your mind goes, your life follows. Where your mind goes, your life follows. Your, your life is going in the direction that your, your mind is leading. And so we got to get the direction of our life right so that, that our life will follow. So, so how do we do this? We do this by, we, we, by renewing our mind with the Word of God, with the truth of the Word of God. If you reset and renew your mind, what will happen is the default settings begin to flip. So if your default setting is based on the world, here's what happens. When a problem arises, the mind says, it's time to panic. And so your body begins to come into agreement with that, and you start to feel stress and fear and anxiety. Uh, if your default setting is based on the world, and, and someone does you wrong, and they, you know, they do you dirty, your mind says that you need to get mad, and you got beef with that person, and so your body says, I agree. So, so you get hot, and you lash out in anger, and you yell at people, and maybe you even react in violence and fits in rage because, because we have a default setting that's based on the outside influence of the world. But when we renew our mind with the Word, the default settings change. And we reprogram and we reset our mind. And now our mind and our spirit are in agreement and they override our body. So over time, as we engage in this process of renewal with God, the default settings of our life become the settings of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit becomes the normal for us, and it becomes abnormal for us to panic, to, to freak out, even when things aren't going our way. It becomes abnormal for us to lash out in anger when someone does us wrong. It's kind of like an alarm clock. If you start setting an alarm clock for six o'clock in the morning every day, and, and every day you, you reset that clock every day, and you wake up at that time every day, eventually you will begin to agree with that setting, and you will just start waking up at that time without even having to set an alarm. 6 a.m. will become your setting because you set and kept resetting that day after day. In the same way, when you live inside out and you keep resetting your mind with God's Word, it will shape and, and set your life for you. And, and this has been a practice of my life as long as I can remember to, to read the Word, to study the Word, to speak the Word, to allow the Word of God to shape the settings of of my life. And you know, after that, that leak specialist left my house, I didn't walk inside and, and walk up to Sarah and say, well, cancel everything. 
It's all falling apart. We're in big trouble. We're, we're going to have to take a bunch of our savings out, cancel Valentine's Day, cancel our daughter Bo's birthday, cancel Gus's birthday. We, you know, I know we want to do this remodel in our kitchen, but we better forget about that. It looks like we're going to lose a bunch of money over this big mess. I don't know how this is going to work out. No, no, I, I didn't do that. You can ask Sarah. I came in and I said this. I said, I, I don't know how this is going to work out. Uh, it's going to be interesting, but I know God's going to take care of us. My, my mind didn't go to dark places because my mind has been renewed by the truth of the Word of God. I, I know that the righteous are not forsaken because the Bible tells me that. I know that I'm a tither, and as a tither, God says He'll rebuke the devourer on my behalf and that I can't be stolen from. I know that I, as a giver, God blesses those who bless others. I know who God has been in the past, and I know that the Bible says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so circumstances don't take peace from me. Circumstances just lead me to the truth that I have put inside my mind that leads me to the God of peace. My default setting is peace and trust in God. I didn't have all the answers, but I didn't lose a minute of sleep because I know that my God is faithful. When you begin to, to start rehearsing and speaking and reminding yourself of the Word of God, something sparks inside of you. And listen, that something is your born-again spirit that wants to agree with the Word of God. So when you set your mind on God's truth, your spirit leaps at that truth, and your, your spirit and your soul begin to override whatever emotions you may be feeling in your body, and it brings a peace that surpasses understanding into your spirit soul, and body. Peace follows a process. So listen, if you're struggling with peace in any area of your life, you're probably not engaging in the process like you should. So my question is, are you staying in the Word? Are you feeding your mind the truth of God's Word? Not, not just the facts of your situation, not just the facts that the world's giving you. Listen, facts are fine, and facts may be real, but truth supersedes facts. The facts maybe tell you that, you know, you don't have any money and you're not going to be able to pay your bills. But the truth says that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And truth supersedes the facts. The facts may be telling you that, that you're sick in your body and that you're going to die. But the truth of God's word says, with long life will I satisfy you. The truth of God's word says that by Jesus' stripes you were healed. So the facts are fine, but, but the truth supersedes the facts. The facts may tell you that you've messed up, that you've made so many mistakes, and you've done so many dumb things, but the truth of God's Word says that God is faithful to complete the work that He began in you. The truth of God's Word says that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are precious in the sight of God. The truth of God's Word says that God looks at you and He says that you are a masterpiece. You may not feel like a masterpiece. The facts may say you're not a masterpiece. But the truth of God's word speaks a better word and, and truth supersedes facts. And that's why the Bible says when you know the truth, it will set you free. Truth supersedes the facts. What, what are you building your life on? The truth of God's word or the facts of your circumstances in this world? Peace follows a process. If you want a mind that has the default settings of peace, you've got to renew your mind with the truth of God's Word because the truth will set you free. All right, here's the third point. Peace has a pioneer. Peace has a pioneer. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says it 
like this. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer. Everybody say pioneer. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. This verse tells us that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to keep our our focus on, on Him, the pioneer of our faith. Pioneer means He went before us. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says this. It says, it says you, talking about God, will keep him in perfect peace. I don't know about you, but that sounds good to me, having some perfect peace. You'll keep those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, who's focused on you because he trusts in you. If you want to walk in the peace of God and, and display the peace of of God in this world, you need to set your attention on Jesus. And specifically, you need to set your attention on how Jesus pioneered a way for you. And how did he do that? He did that through the cross. Jesus went to the cross so you could have peace with God. That, that's, the, that's the gospel peace that Paul talks about in Ephesians when he says you need to put on these gospel shoes of peace. See, when you realize that Jesus was willing to come to the earth and die in your place, if he was willing to go that far to help you, don't you think he's willing to step in and deliver you in whatever situation you maybe find yourself in today? When you begin to to fix your attention on him and the pioneering work that he did for you on the cross, it begins to bring a peace and an order to your circumstances. A few years ago, when Sarah and I lived in Dallas, uh, we went to the Dallas Symphony Orchestra to watch a Christmas gala. So we got all dressed up and we went downtown. And as the show was getting ready to start, the orchestra began to warm up. And I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but it just kind of sounds like a bunch of noise, a bunch of discord. It it sounds kind of like chaos. But then all of a sudden, out of the shadows came the conductor with this little stick and he he tapped it on his little stand and the noise and the discord began to calm down and everything got quiet and then he raised his arms up and he began to move them and all of a sudden the 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 sound that was once chaos became a symphony playing in harmony before he showed up it was just a bunch of noise that does not relate to anything. It's, it's everybody kind of doing their own thing. Nothing's connected. But when he shows up and makes his presence known and raises his arms, all of a sudden, what was discord becomes harmony. Everybody's on the same page. It makes sense, and it actually brings blessing. When the conductor showed up and when the attention was fixed on him, by his leading, everything changed. You know, so often... Our problem is we're trying to make order out of the chaos of our life and we've left the conductor off stage. You need to to set your attention, set your focus on his leading. The good news for you today is this, Jesus is tapping. So guess what? If Jesus is tapping, peace is tapping. The Bible tells us that Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. The question is, will you let him in? Will you move in faith and let him in? You know, a little while after I came in our house, after having met with the guy about the water leak, I was sitting on the couch and I got a thought. And my thought was to go out and check the creek at our house. We have this creek on the front of our property. And I had looked at it before to see if I could see any signs of water flow that was this extra and I didn't see anything. 
but but I had this strong sense in me to go out and to turn on the water again and to look at that creek and so so I did I went out to our water meter I turned on the water I, I ran down to the creek I looked and immediately I came upon this area where I could see a flow of water that didn't make sense to the flow of the creek it was subtle but you could see this water flowing into the creek so so I went back turned off the meter I went up to my garage I grabbed a shovel and I started digging and it didn't happen right away I had to dig for a little bit I had to I had to get in the mud I had to get my hands dirty but after about an hour and a half of of digging I found the spot where the pipe had burst and so I dug all around it and then I had a, a plumber friend of mine come out and uh, and we fixed the busted pipe and it cost me nothing didn't cost me a dime. Now, story's not over yet. Uh, we also got a call from the city, and they let us know that, that they were going to give us a new meter and completely forgive our January water bill, over $3,000 of water. And then they said that we were still going to have to pay the December bill, but that we could do it over the lifetime of our service. Basically, they said, you can pay as little as $10 extra a month if that's what you want to do. So New Song Church, get this. What at, what at one point looked like it could be a $10,000 deficit to our finances is just an extra 10 bucks a month. Now, when all this worked out, obviously Sarah and I and our family celebrated and we praised God, but I want you to know something. I didn't have peace after everything worked out. You know why? Because I already had peace. I didn't have to wait on the circumstances to be right to have peace because I turned to the God of peace and I submitted my circumstances to Him and focused my attention on Him and the truth of His Word and Jehovah Shalom, the God who is peace, showed up and the fruit of peace was on display. When problems come, listen church, peace is tapping. Peace is tapping. The God of peace wants to source to you His peace. A peace that passes understanding. A peace that the world desperately needs. A peace you can display and give away if you have it. Peace is tapping. Peace is tapping. You can have peace. You can have an inward calmness and a, and a well-being even in the midst of difficult, difficult circumstances. The, the God is in control and, and He wants you to rest in Him. You can have that kind of peace because you can have all the God that you want to have. It's all up to you. Peace is tapping. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.